Hello everyone, I'm Armstrong Williams. In this edition of the Strong Cat, my hero, Virginia Kellogg, will sit and talk about the dire conditions that we find our historical black colleges and universities in. I'm a product of a historical black college and university, South Carolina State in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and she's from North Carolina H&T in North Carolina. And we're gonna talk about, and talk about what is it that we need to do? What needs to change to give young people real self-esteem? What kind of relationship do they need to have with their parents? Um, what, what, how do we help them overcome depression and their lack of self-esteem? And what role does social media play in this? And do they have real social skills? Can they really stand up for themselves and make it in the real world once they graduate from high school and college? We'll cover this and much more on this edition of The Stormcast with your host, Armstrong Williams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Strong Cats with your host, Armstrong Williams. We're going to do something a little different today, a little radical. Instead of my asking the questions, I was sitting with my very good friend for so many decades, um, Dr. Virginia Kellogg, and she said, I'd love to interview you. I said, say what? And I said, well, and she convinced me. She convinced me. So here we are, and I'm just going to um, turn it over to Ms. Kellogg and let it, tell them, uh, 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 strong cast listeners, a little about yourself, Ms. Kellogg. Well, I am Virginia Kellogg. I am an old-fashioned social worker, mental health therapist. And I've been around in lots of different places over a period of time, of years. And I approach Armstrong about this interview today because I'm concerned. I'm concerned about our historical black colleges and universities. I am concerned that we have a 35% graduation rate. I am concerned that we are lagging 20% behind all others, graduation rates, and overall country-wise, African-Americans, whites, Hispanics, there's only a 60% graduation rate. But to be at a 34% graduation rate uh, with historical black colleges in trouble, then a mental health behavior specialist, my thing to Armstrong was we need to provide resources. What, what do you for think? People. What do you think these. Um institutions find themselves in this very precarious situation? I think they do because they do not have positive social skills. Uh, oftentimes, it's the first time they've been away from home, so what do they do? Oh, I'm loose. I can party now. Hanging out, lack of time management skills, depression, carrying old trauma that they never was able to discuss with anyone, and just poor overall, sometimes just laziness. I'm away from home, I'm gonna hang out, and I'm, I have eight o'clock class, I don't make the class, there's no one there to say you have to do it. General anxiety, low self-esteem, I could go on and on yeah, but, and on. But couldn't you say every young person leaving high school Leaving going to college is confronted with those same challenges. We were confronted with those same challenges. 
and you make different choices, you make different decisions. And like <coughs> me, um, that's, parents, that, parents that's, during that yeah. time could see our report card, they could see our progress. They were very involved in our education. I know you have situations today where parents find out four years later after the kid was in college that they never attended a class. Yes. So when we were coming along, that is impossible. But in terms of, I don't, I, don't, I, I know you're here to talk to me, but you know, sometimes I That's mix fine. it up. I don't understand. What can you put in place to make a young person responsible, respect education, get to bed early, go to the library, do your homework, meet with your counselor, meet with your teachers, and if you need a tutor, then do so. Maybe what the issue is, maybe the high schools are not preparing them for the college um, curriculum. And when they get to these classrooms, they're shocked, so shocked by how their math skills and their math levels and their English and everything is it's probably it's so, it's not up to par with everybody else in the classroom until they go into a depression and, and it just explodes their self-esteem. That is absolutely one of the things high schools are not teaching, homes are not teaching. That's where you come in. You came from South Carolina. You went to a historical black college university. Uh, did you graduate? How many years did it take you to graduate? On time. From your uh, yes, bachelor's four, Yes, degree. of course, four years. You did the four years. Yes. How many students do you think are doing four years now? You know, I never thought about it. Yes. I just assume that if you go to college, the majority of kids are graduating. Only 34% are graduating in historical black colleges. How do they? Well, let me ask you, if you yeah. only graduated 34% of your students, how do you finance, um, how do you get people to send their kid to the school if you're only graduating 34%? And how, do, how can a school remain a college or university with these kind of results? That's what's happening today. That's the latest research. Now, my question would be, you were in a historical black college university. You graduated in four years. I was in a, black, a historical black college university, North Carolina A&T, Aggie Pride, South Carolina State University uh, for you. What was it that got you through? Did you, what kinds of issues did you, were you confronted with? And then I have some questions. Let me answer that first. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, my parents, fortunately, financed every one of my brothers and sisters' education out of their hard-earned bank accounts from the farms that wanted to go to college for four years. We were guaranteed an education <clears throat> without any debt. Mm -hmm. My parents did not want us to graduate from college saddled with debt. And so when you grow up on a farm, which puts you as close to nature as anything, and you watch how your parents side, survive the different seasons, you're not always assured of a crop, um, and what my parents had to do to, for the discipline and the work ethic and the sacrifice. I mean, you're talking about a big fan. I mean, my, mother's, um, my father's first wife died from childbirth. They had four kids, so when he married my mother, Several months later, she had already had four kids, and then she had eight of her home, own two that were stillborn. Mm -hmm. And when you watch, and you understand why that money is in the bank account, you understand what your parents had to endure. <coughs> For my parents to believe so much in a college education, there was no way I was going to go to any university and squander 
and just lose and insult and disrespect my parents in that way. So I would, I didn't need motivation because I realized it was my father's heart. And I'll never forget every semester, every year, my father would drive down to um, um, the financial aid office and pay that money. And, and man, it's just, you know, so I, and, you, I don't, and not you, only was I in the classroom, you know. I graduated with honors. I just did not want to get and Five. you graduated in four years. Yeah. And you it, it would have cost that, my parents more money. I had to graduate in four and years. And you had that self-motivation because you respected your parents. You understood if you were like me, as soon as I could think or go to first grade, you are going to college. But I understood so the value of that dollar that, that my parents were spending. So our children nowadays do not have that. You are a very accomplished person. You came from the South, because oftentimes, you know, we Southerners were sort of looked at as being, you know, a little bit slower than the Northerners back in those days. That, of course, is no longer the case. You've written book, a, a, a book, what, Reawakening Virtues? We be uh, blame. Okay. So you have gained insight. What I was doing is picking your head because I plan to do something about this situation. I plan to bring some services to the Historical Black Colleges and University, mental health care, and general wellness. Now, what made you so successful? You have come through the ranks. I've watched you for years because we've been friends for years. I don't see you that often, but I can always call Armstrong. My thing is, what message do you have that can help me bring these resources, and what message do you have that made you who you are? Well, first thing is, um, and it's not rocket science, it's actually pretty simplistic. I never had a doubt any doubt whatsoever that my parents loved me and my siblings unconditionally. And, and our parents can give us advice and sometimes share wisdom with us that does not always work out the way they had hoped. Yes. But those moments were rare. Mm -hmm. Before I ever left the farm to go to college, I had my own self-identity. Okay. I had my own self-awareness, and, I knew, I, I, and I knew my purpose. And no. so I, I did not go to college to get involved with the partiers or the drugs or the alcohol, because that's not who, that's, that was not my identity, and then stay up all night and try to crash study for a test yeah. the next morning. I was always in the library. And the other thing, and this was a blessing, my parents would always buy the books in advance of the course that I would take during that semester because I like reading, I would always read the book from cover to cover. Mm -hmm. And while there may have been things that I did not clearly understand, once the professor was in the classroom, because I'm, I was an econ guy, once the pro professor was in the classroom and he was explaining it through the charts and through the workbooks, uh, it, I could grasp it more mm -hmm. easily because I'd already read it and there was a great familiarity with the material. So I went to college because I was the first in my mm -hmm. generation Okay. To go to college. And I always know this. While siblings love their parents, and they look up to them, brothers essentially and sisters eventually follow their older brother. Whatever their other brother become, that becomes their hero. Mm -hmm. So my parents always realized because I was the first, I would have a profound influence mm -hmm. on my brothers and mm -hmm. sisters. So I set an example of diligence, mm -hmm. of study. 
mm-hmm. of respect. And not only did I thrive in the college environment, I was student body president mm-hmm. for two consecutive years. I was also chief justice of the student legislature. So it was not just the books. I was involved in a lot of activities on campus. And as student government president, I had my first uh, um, trip abroad um, to Canada and to Washington, D.C. And this was when I came to this place, Washington, D.C., and I was standing on the Capitol steps, I realized this is the place for me. I've got to come back to this place. This is the place that holds a big part of my future. So I was always clear because I never questioned what my parents taught me because they said, if you do these certain things, boy, you'll be all right. So what message do you have for our young people today without that background? Many of our young people today do not have that home front that's giving them and nurturing them, that's building that self-esteem that, that you have, and that acknowledgement of I am somebody who I am going to be. They don't have it. As my sister would say, today's young people are privileged, too privileged. That's what she says. What message? Because you, you came from an ideal situation. Well, listen. They do not young, oftentimes. Young what people, do we do? What, young, young people. What message do you have? Young people frown upon the church. Yeah, okay. They frown upon spirituality. Okay. They frown upon a belief in God because okay. there's this perception that makes you weak. They, okay. they, they define themselves by materialism, mm-hmm. by things, uh-huh. by likes on Facebook and social media and dislikes on Facebook and social media. <coughs> what has happened is because of this, no matter what they do, no matter what they feel they may accomplish, mm-hmm. they're empty. You see, no matter what I've achieved in college, and in high school, because I was a student body president in high school, no matter what I achieve, that can never fulfill and feed me to give me the contentment and the peace that I needed. It's only through spiritual and moral striving do I find peace and contentment in my life. And also, I was very fortunate in this way because my family had a history, the genealogy of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. One of the things that my mother and father drilled in us is not to drink, not to smoke. And it may seem like simple things, but I have, and you may find this shocking, I've never tasted alcohol in my life. Good. <laughs> I've never smoked any cigarette. I've ever been exposed to any kind of drugs. And I've never used one word of profanity. Now, why is All that right. important? Because you will find most times with crime, sexual harassment, drug abuse, it all starts with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You're not in control of yourself when you give to yourself, mm-hmm. given to give yourself over to drugs mm-hmm. of things that take you out of your character, mm-hmm. take you out of your judgment. Yeah. So while I have my shortcomings, as all of us do, I have never gotten away from reading the book, reading the good book, the Bible, mm-hmm. reading books, and I always would always, um, no matter what my parents had, and my parents only had a six in third grade education, but they had experience, they had wisdom. I could always call my parents if something was happening on campus and just simple wisdom, mm-hmm. something my mother would say, um, something that my father would say, I always chose my parents over the influence of my friends. Okay. And so because of that, and also my father um, introduced me to Senator Strong Thurmond. Okay. He felt I needed a mentor. 
-hmm. that somebody could guide me. You know, people say that he was a segregationist and a racist. My father found something good in him. Uh -huh. My father felt that he could be a good mentor for me and could guide me, especially through the wilderness of Washington, D.C. And so my father had vision, and sure enough, Strong Thurman turned out to be my mentor, my hero. I worked for him. It was my first job on Capitol Hill. And he's the guy that set in motion yeah. all the political jobs that I had in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. including working at the Department mm -hmm. of Agriculture, working mm -hmm. for um, Chairman Clarence Thomas at mm -hmm. the EEOC. But I listened to him. I did not get caught up in people, what they said about him mm -hmm. and what history said about him. My parents always taught me, judge people by how they treat you. Because every sinner has a past. Uh, every saint has a past, but thank God every sinner has a future, as long as you have life. Mm -hmm. So I did not allow the senator's history to be a barrier for me being, and I became his protege. And, and uh, that had a remarkable impact in my life in terms of the trajectory that I continue to be on mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. So you've had a wonderful life. And, and I see you as a wonderful person. You've always been wonderful to me, so that's what I base it on. And I see how you have thrived. What message do you have? I intend to bring some services and some help. We, well, our, tell, our tell, students me, are liking positive Let me tell you where you need to start. Social skills. Let me tell you something you and I had okay. growing up. We had strong men figures. Yes. Not just in the home. Yes, we did. Not just in the church. Yes. But when I was growing up in high school, men were in the classrooms. Okay. Science. Okay. History. Mm -hmm. Computer science. Typing. I'll never forget Mr. Henderson. He was my typing teacher where I learned typing and shorthand. And I didn't really want it to do it. But he said, you got to do it. You won't appreciate it now. He said, but 20 years from now, I'll be in my grave. You're going to thank me for it. So I have men. There are certain things that men can push yes. you to do. And it's nothing yeah. against uh, the teachers. Absolutely. And also, in high schools today, you'll be hard-pressed to find a man in the classroom. You may find them in the athletics department. And so, when, and so what yeah. happens in the classroom often, when these young, young kids rebel, the first thing the teacher is going to do is call the police officer, mm -hmm. not the parent. People don't realize that three and four years old kids their first encounter with police is that they're being arrest, arrested because the teachers don't want to address their behavior. They don't want the disruption in the classroom. They don't have the patience, so they just turn them over to the system. Yeah. And you'll find that some of these kids end up in juvenile court. Mm -hmm. they, and they, they're, if you track their trajectory, many of these kids started out from that situation mm -hmm. in that classroom where they were deemed bad, mm -hmm. they were deemed a problem in the classroom, and they believe that, especially when you yeah. come from broken homes. True. This is the only reinforcement that you have. So, they come from broken homes. What? We don't have the males in the classroom. Nor in the homes. Nor in the homes. Nor in the homes. And it is having a huge, a colossal yes. impact on our society. But it is what it is. Yeah. That is the situation. Right. Now, they get to college. And it's the first time I'm away from home. Oh, man, I can hang out, party, do my thing. Everything's going to be fine. The awareness... That of the responsibility of getting that degree is not a priority awareness. <laughs> now, my thing, uh, my question to you, knowing all the things that we've said are in uh, roadblocks, what advice do you have? What 
advice do you have? Based upon your experiences, and you had the good sense to be aware of what was being provided for you, correct? Yes. Okay. They like social skills. Okay. I have a, a, a project I'm going to work on. I just want you to wrap it up and tell us spirituality, of course, is one thing you've said. You have the home, the support. You got to read. So important to read okay. books. Okay. Um, it is so important to find people that can grow you and who can be honest with you. Okay. And, and can sweet. help you with your skills. Uh, that is mm -hmm. so important. And also, it's important, even if you don't get paid initially, mm -hmm. it's so important to have apprenticeship, whether it's in technology, whether it's in STEM, whether it's in math, whether it's in broadcast, whether it's in psychology. It's good to have a mentor, someone to guide you and set the example of what you can possibly become, where you can get real hands-on experience. Because the problem today, especially in the um, technology economy, the jobs are there, but because the kids have decided to take the easier route through high school and college, they don't mm -hmm. take the tough courses like the chemistry, the algebra, the physics, the geometry. They don't take these challenge. Yeah, themselves. they don't challenge themselves. Okay, and so they don't have the skill set. This is the problem when you wear. So how do we teach them this? You vocational school. We really need okay. to get back to vocational school. And I heard somebody else say vocational that Vocational school was a huge deal for me. I learned how to weld, mm -hmm. and I learned carpentry. Mm -hmm. That's still, because men, especially men, men need to know not just how to use their brain, but to work with their hands. Because mm -hmm. the Bible tells us we will work to the, by the sweat of our brow. Mm -hmm. Men need to work with their hands. And what happens today is they're not learning real skills beyond the classroom. And we everybody is not school. college material. No. Nor Co should they be. Right. There's something, you, and you're right. College is not meant for everybody. All right. But a, a, a vocational school, mm -hmm. uh, a course that you can take, uh, if you feel like you enjoy being a big brick mason, there are places that you can go where you can be certified as a brick mason. If you like drywall, mm -hmm. uh, these are kinds of skills that you take on um, that can earn you an honest living and make you feel good about yourself. Yes. Because this is something that you're actually building, right. designing, and a lot of times today, these young people don't have real opportunity to reinforce what their skills are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So vocational school, I would strongly urge that we implement um, yes. vocational. And you remember we had we a, used to have, and they had homemaking for girls. Yes, yeah, learn I how remember. to bake, deal with clothes, learn how to sew, so, and all those things. It made I, a huge difference. I remember making a little baby outfits well, when homemaking. I was a baby. In, yeah, home, home economics. Home economics, yeah, yeah. Okay, and we need to teach social skills. Yes. Uh, we need to have a way of reaching uh, young people to talk about their problems, you know. Like, what's up? So you, you don't have to identify yourself. But you can say, because so many are holding that past trauma in, the number of children our young people uh, holding in past trauma is just absolutely skyrocketing. Especially when you see the 21-year-old who killed the parents, yes. the kidnapped the daughter, the 21-year-old yes. goes into a bank, and he kills all women. Yeah. A young man just killed all that women. That just didn't happen on the spot. Not, that no. was trauma 
that's been held in over the years and has built up to the Depressed. explosive level. Depressed. Suicidal. Yes. And yet they go and destroy lives. Yes. Because of the anger. The anger. I mean, look at what happened at Parkland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it is, it is really, yeah. it is really, it's a spiritual illness. Yes. And it's, we have to do something about it. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to talk with you because, as I said, you are a success story by everybody's uh, measures. And... Therefore, let me let me stop you a minute. Okay, you know, here's how I perceive myself in many instances. Mm -hmm. You know, the good Lord gives us all gifts and talents. Some of us use them more wisely and more noble than others. Than others, but they're it's just alone. They're not mine. They don't belong to me. It is my responsibility when God blesses me is to bless and empower and make a difference in other people's lives. It's not for me to become greedy, isolate myself from the world. You know, we spend so much time in our businesses mentoring young people, giving them opportunities, opportunities that they would never, ever have, teaching them how to write, teaching them that they cannot be defined, especially young black kids, that you cannot be defined by the images that are portrayed of you mm-hmm. in the media. Mm-hmm. You, are the in, you are the individual. Your, your, your feelings about yourself should be in the image of God, not what somebody creates for you. And so many, there are so many negative reinforcements in the media about young people mm-hmm. today. And so, you know, and, you know, the Lord blesses you. He multiplies. And, and you know, you, I believe in tithes. I believe in giving more than 10%. Mm-hmm. It is important to give back. Philanthropy is very important, making a difference in a person's life. And you and I do it through silence. Mm-hmm. Not something I need to boast about, something I need to have print up and in a magazine and a newspaper. Because you care. You gotta care about other people. You gotta have not misplaced compassion, not programs that the government put in place that are well-meaning, but they only further destroy people's lives and put them in further chaos mm-hmm. and, and poverty. And, and people in private industry can do the best job in changing and, and, and giving people chances that they otherwise would not have. Even at our television stations across the country, um, we have scholarships where the kids get to train in college and the broadcasts and the radio, and they go to our stations and intern. They get real-life experiences. They shoot videos. Sometimes the video gets into the newscast. But at the end of four years, they have an opportunity to be a weatherman, an anchorwoman, Mm-hmm. a journalist, an investigative reporter, a line yeah. producer. Uh-huh. So you have to create those opportunities and you have to reintroduce people to what journalism is and journalism ethics and journalistic integrity. And so for those of us that has been given a little extra, you know, yeah. a little extra, we have to give a little extra of ourselves. Yes, yes, I agree with that. How do we reach them? Let me tell you my plan. Okay. My plan to reach them is to give them a resource where they can feel comfortable in bringing out whatever issues they are confronted with and bringing issues to them that they need to be confronted with, such as time management, hanging out, you gotta respect time. drinking, not going to chapel, you know, only going to chapel, as you say, the spirituality of it, of the whole process. 
So, therefore, that is, I have to find the vehicle to reach out to them. We have to find it. We, we have, have to, to help you succeed. Yes. Because you want to make a difference, particularly with these historical black colleges and universities. And we have to support you. Once you define what this vehicle is, we've got to make sure that we help you revolutionize it. And because um, you're right, there are a lot of young people who suffer from depression and, and lack of self-worth. And because this is your field, this is your lasting legacy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Well, look, I um, can't thank you enough for um, this. Uh, used to make us think, ask deeper, insightful questions about not just what's the meaning of your life, but it always should be every different. It should always be different. It should always involve. Because listen, there are always people in need. And sometimes to turn their lives around, sometimes it's a simple smile. Mm -hmm. It's a simple acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. It's a simple um, giving someone an opportunity that otherwise wouldn't have had it. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as somebody who made the wrong moves, committed a crime, went to jail and served their time. Mm -hmm. They paid their duties to society. Give them opportunity. Yes. They deserve another chance yes. in society as well. You should not continue to judge people by... Well, some of the crimes, especially when you're dealing with drugs and those type of crimes, mm -hmm. people need to know that they have another chance to rehabilitate and come back into society and know that there's this possibility they can become a contributing, productive, and proud citizen of our country. Yes. Yes, such as like you. Oh, <laughs> like many. Listen, Ms. Callow, thank you um, so much for this wonderful insight and these questions that we all need to answer. Ms. Kellogg, on this edition of the Strongcast, was not just asking these questions of me. She's asking these questions of you as well, mm -hmm. because we all yes. should want to do more. Because when good is enough, we must do better. Ms. Kellogg, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Strongcast. Okay.